Hello and welcome to Postgres FM, a weekly show about all things PostgreSQL. I'm Michael, founder of PG Mustard, and this is my co-host Nikolai, founder of Postgres AI. Hey Nikolai, what are we going to talk about today? Hi Michael, let's talk about checkpoint tuning. Yes, right ahead, login general, right? A wow, wow configuration. We had a really good request for this topic from one of our listeners. Right, so not only checkpoint tuning, but checkpoint tuning is a part of it. Yes, absolutely. Thank you to Chelsea for this one. Uh-huh, thank you. Uh, very interconnected topics. We, we should think about them both. Uh, wall configuration and checkpoint tuning, they come together. Yeah, should we go through them one at a time in terms of, well, so what, what, what is checkpoint, what are checkpoints? Should we start there or what is, right. the, what is wow? Right, so what, what are checkpoints? Checkpoints, uh, to talk about checkpoints, we need to talk about wall first. Right ahead yeah. log. And right ahead log is like the basic, uh, absolutely fundamental concept of any database system, not only relational, uh, which says that, like, that first data is recorded to different place, to, to some additional, some kind of binary log or like right ahead log. Uh, and only then it's changed in memory in data pages. And this allows us to build recovery system. This allows us to survive unexpected restarts, failures, various bugs, and so on. And in Postgres, this also allows us to have physical replication because it's built on top of recovery subsystem. So if you think that you change some row in a table, first this change is recorded into write-ahead log. And only when we know that this change is recorded reliably, on, in wall, it's already on disk. Only then you can see committed. You, you can the user can see commit. And the actual change in data, it still can be only in memory, not flushed into disk yet, right? So, so basically, we record twice. We record to write ahead log the change, and we change the data in place where it's stored permanently. But this uh, flushing to disk in the second case, it's not occurred uh, synchronously. So we can see commit, but the data file, table, index files, they are not yet in actual state on disk. And the checkpoint, it's the process of writing so-called dirty blocks, dirty buffers uh, to disk. So dirty in this context means changed, but not yet saved on disk. So if it's already saved, it's called clean buffer. If it's not yet saved, it's called dirty buffer. And when we have dirty buffers, it means that we changed a lot. We already reflected these changes in wall. It's like the rule number one, right ahead log. But it's not yet saved on disk. And when checkpoint happens, all dirty buffers are saved. And it means that next time we will need to start, for example, after some crash, power loss, anything. We, we don't care about previous changes because they are already reflected on disk. Right? Yes. Yeah, so we only have to worry about things since the last checkpoint. Right. And, and we I need guess to redo them. Right, right, right. Yeah. And uh, just before we move on from the basics, because I had to read up a bit about this, the main, the main reason we need this is to prevent data loss on recovery. So it's the idea of the dual system. The idea of, of having this is the, the D in ACID, I believe, the durability side. So preventing data right. loss. Right. ACID is like the core concept of uh, a database system. It should be like, if it says data committed, it never can lose it. Otherwise, it's a bad system. So right ahead log ex exactly allows us to, to 
to, to have it. And without checkpoint, we would need to keep a lot of changes and replay a lot of changes and startup time after any crash would be very long, right? And so checkpoints happen all the time. They happen like kind of on schedule. They also can happen during, for example, when we need to shut down the server or restart it. There is so-called mandatory shutdown checkpoint. So Postgres doesn't report that shutdown completed until this shutdown checkpoint finishes. Right. So, so it's also important to understand. And that's why sometimes we can see that shutdown takes some significant time because we have a lot of dirty buffers and we need to save them first. Yeah. On this topic, I saw a good recommendation. I think it was from you actually around Postgres upgrades and the idea of taking a checkpoint, triggering a checkpoint manually to uh, reduce the time needed. Right. Because during, during shutdown checkpoint, Postgres doesn't respond to new queries anymore. It says uh, shutting down. So come later. Right. But if we run manual checkpoint, a SQL command checkpoint, it can be in parallel. So we save a lot of dirty buffers ourselves, like just running select in terminal in psql, for example. And then when shutdown checkpoint happens, it's already fast because there's very low number of dirty buffers, right? Yeah. So it, it's always recommended when we need to restart server, for example, for minor upgrade, or we need, for example, to switch to perform switchover, this like manual not manual, it can be automated, of course, but additional checkpoint, uh, I would say implicit, uh, explicit, explicit checkpoint should be there because after it, shutdown checkpoint will happen. So we need to help it to be shorter, faster. Yeah. Right. So you, you already mentioned a couple of uses for the right head log. One's recovery on crash, one is replication. I believe point in time recovery is another one. So tools like PG backrest make use of it, right, I believe, right, yeah. Right. Well, it's a different topic, but of course, right, if, if we store full copies of PG data, by the way, they never are consistent in consistent state. They, if, we, if you copy PG data on live server, it's not consistent. So you need a bunch of walls to be able to reach consistent point, always. But you also can store all, the whole stream of walls additionally. And uh, if this allows you to take some so-called base backup PG data uh, corresponding to some point in time, and then you can replay additional walls and reach a new point in time, and it can be arbitrary. So if you store continuous stream of walls in your archive, you can choose any time you want. The only problem usually is if your database is quite big, uh, the initial copying uh, PG data initially takes time and roughly like very, very rough rule is one terabyte per hour, but can be slower, can be faster, but very rough rule. So if you have 10 terabyte database, should be prepared for five or 10 or 15 hours of initial copy. And I wonder why people don't use often cloud snapshots for that, to, to speed it up, right? It, it would make sense completely, but I, I know uh, sometimes they are not reliable, cloud snapshots in, in Amazon and Google. Like, there are issues with them sometimes. Also, making them takes time, but we could do it on Replica. It's like I, 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 like I put us to a different field. Let's let's postpone discussion of backups and and other things. But you're right. Point in time recovery is another uh, area of application of wall. But uh, the primary goal is to allow us uh, to recover from from unexpected shutdown or power loss or anything. So. It's, it's like in games, right? I lost you briefly then. Yeah, I see. I see. Let me, let me listen to you then. <laughs> so. Well, yeah. So I'd be 
I think it's getting better. So we, we have a lot of parameters for tuning these things. We have a lot of parameters for controlling how, how fast these things happen, how much has to happen before they kick in. There's a few settings that it seems like we really shouldn't touch pretty much ever as well. But it also seems that especially on high write workloads, there are some really big wins we can get by changing some of the right. default parameters. Defaults are not good enough for you usually, right? Okay. Is that generally true? Or like if I have a read heavy application and not, not a ton of writes, am I likely to, what, what, how would I know if I'm hitting problems? What's the kind of, what are the first telltale signs? Well, it's a good question. Usually it's good to evaluate the distance between the two ba daily backups, for example. And you, you can even in, in SQL, you can even take two LSNs. Usually when backup is taken, you know, LSN, log sequ sequence number. So it's like position in wall. It's always sequential. It has some specific structure. There are a few articles. So we will attach articles explaining how to read LSN and how to understand the structure. So if you take two LSNs and convert them to PG underscore LSN data type in Postgres, you can subtract one from another. And the difference will be in bytes. So this difference, and then you can run PG pretty or pretty size. And you can see it, the difference in megabytes, gigabytes, actually gigabytes actually, but Postgres doesn't use this notation. So you can understand how much wall you generate during a day. Right. If uh, this size is quite small, like gigabytes or 10 gigabytes, it's quite small. Probably you don't need specific checkpoint and wall tuning at all. But if you have one terabyte generated per day, it's quite a lot. And I'm sure you need to go away from defaults and, and you will have better performance, better everything. For example, wall compression is not enabled by default, right? And, and I missed that one. That's great. Yeah, but I, I, I'm going to check if it's enabled in recent versions because Postgres defaults are improving, but still they are lagging. If you have heavily loaded systems, you definitely want to tune. So if you have Postgres 13, for example, wall compression is disabled by default. Uh, let's talk about how, like what is written in walls. Oh, first of all, like, just like simplified uh, explanation people usually use about checkpoints. It's like in games, you want to save your progress, right? And if something bad happens, you, you will repeat fewer steps, right? So it's very simple analogy. Yeah, it's still uh, in Postgres, in Postgres 14, it's still not enabled wall compression. Yeah, in Postgres 15, it's still not enabled. And this is, I think, should be enabled in most setups. I, I, I'm almost sure on RDS it's enabled. So, and if you can, for example, do checkpoints very rarely, once per week, it's insanely low. But in this case, there are high chances that if crash happens, you will need to wait a lot while Postgres replaces many walls, right? A lot, to, a lot to do in terms of redo. And uh, during this period, you will be down your system is down. So not good. That's why check, like logically, I would say it's good to have checkpoints more often, right? It but seems like a, a Goldilocks problem, right? Too often. And you have a lot of overhead, but too infrequent and it will take a long time to recover. So it feels like there's a balance. 
There is trade-off here, and there are two kinds of overhead. We will talk about it in a second. But to understand where overhead comes from, in spite of dirty buffers, let's talk about what is written to wall. By default, full-page writes are enabled, right? And what, what is full-page write? It's if you change anything in some table, in some row, it may be a very small change. Postgres writes whole page fully to write-ahead log. Why? Because there is a difference. Buffer is usually 8 kilobyte size, kibibyte size. But file system probably uses block size 4 kibibytes. And you don't want to have partial write during writing to disk reported as success, but you wrote only one half of it. So that's why full page write is needed. And by the way, first Postgres first talks about Aurora from Grant McAllister, if I'm not mistaken. They are very well explained, we will find links uh, to YouTube and probably a, a slide deck. They explain very well uh, this problem about uh, full page rights and this big overhead. So the, when first change in the page occurs, first time it, it's written after checkpoint, it's full page right. If you change it once again, only small delta is written, so it's not full page right. But only until the next checkpoint. If checkpoint happened, all changes are initially, again, full-page writes. If checkpoints are very frequent, we have a lot of full-page writes. If checkpoints are not frequent, very often we have repetitive changes in this, of the same page. So we changed it, we, for example, wrote some, inserted something, we insert once again into the same page, it's a new change. Again and again, we, we update something, we have had uh, update, heap only tuple, up, tuple update, so we change it the same page. And this means we touch the same page, we write to it multiple times. In this case, if, so I'm saying not only the number of writes matters, also, the nature of writes matters. If you have yeah. hot updates touching the same page many, many times, you will benefit from rare checkpoints a lot because only one full page write will happen after a checkpoint. And then you benefit uh, having very light, you write a, a little bit to, to the write ahead log, every subsequent change until next checkpoint, of course. Yeah, that's super interesting. And I think also it explains why people, so there's, there's some people I've seen, I, I suspect this is a very bad idea, but turning off full page rights in order to increase throughput, but it feels like a very risky thing to do. And that's that there, I feel like we're going to cover quite a few better ways. To some systems it. can afford it. If, uh, like you, you need to understand what your, fi your file system is, your disks, and like uh, what settings they use. And in some cases it's possible, but it's quite dangerous. You should understand all risks and uh, be 100% sure that it's, it's possible in your system. But usually we don't go this way. Usually we use text 4 with 4K block size and so on, and uh, we, we want full page rights enabled. So back to compression. Compression is applied only to full page rights. Interesting. So, right. So we, we don't compress, as I understand, Postgres doesn't comp compress these small changes. It compresses only this first time we change something in a page. We record this page fully and we can compress it. And compression is not enabled by default. And if you enable it, you can see huge benefit in terms of how much wall you write. Why we care about volume here? Because if we have write-heavy system, 
Of course, writing a lot uh, additionally to wall, it, it, like, it's additional overhead on disk. If you have 10 replicas, sometimes people have it. All replicas need to receive this data. F they work rep physical replication, logical as well. It works through wall, through write ahead log. So if we write a lot, we need to send over a network a lot. They want wall compression enabled to compress all full page writes. And we want checkpoints to happen rarely to have fewer full page writes as well. So I would tune max wall size and checkpoint timeout to, to have very, very not frequent checkpoints. But in this case, if they are not frequent, again, startup time after crash, also failover, for example, it, the timing of these procedures will be very, very bad, long. Minutes. Some, I see various engineers struggling to understand why, for example, shutdown takes so long, why restart takes so long, and they become nervous. And at, at extreme cases, they use kill minus nine, so sick kill. Like <laughs> Postgres survives because we have right ahead log and we just redo. Yeah. But redo also takes a lot. They they kill it. It's it's not acceptable. Only in rare cases we should do it. It's like last resort. We should not do it. But on, on, after it, Postgres starts and startup takes also many minutes. They're still nervous. It's not a good situation. That's why uh, people need to understand like how much wall needed to be written and distance between checkpoints. Yeah, let's go back to a couple of those ones you mentioned. So my understanding is that checkpoint timeout is a maximum time between checkpoints. Right. And that's default quite low is five minutes. Very low. So what would be a sensible starting point for most people in terms of... Metrics? Yeah, so usually the main metric here is how long you can afford being down in the, in the bad case, in the case of an incident. This is the main number you need to understand. You need to talk uh, with your business people and uh, find some number like, okay, we can be down up to two minutes, for example, right? From there, you start thinking, okay, if we have this like requirement or SLO service level objective if, if we are SREs, right? So if, if we have two minutes, let's think during two minutes, how much we can replay? We can measure it with, with experiment. We can, for example, set a checkpoint timeout and max wall size to very insanely big numbers. Then we can have a lot of writes happening, PG bench, for example. Then we can wait until new checkpoint one checkpoint finishes, another is about to finish, and then we kill minus nine our Postgres, crush it on purpose. And then we see recovery and just measure the speed of recovery, how much, how many bytes of wall we can replay per second, per minute. And this gives us understanding of how much wall we can afford to replay, not to exceed two minutes of downtime, for example. Yeah, perfect. From this, we can start thinking like, this is very important to understand. Recovery speed in terms of bytes per second, bytes per minute, or gigabytes per minute, anything here. From there, we can understand how, like, how many bytes of wall we produce when everything is normal. During quite busy hours, usually at night, for example, we have lower activity. At daytime, on working days, probably we have more activity, right? But usually we say, okay, we produce like, for example, one wall per second. It's quite good speed. Each wall means this file. There is also confusion in terms because as I remember, documentation says wall file is some abstract thing. It's like 
two gigabytes and wall segment is 16 megabytes. But if you go to PG wall directory, you will see each file will be 16 megabytes usually. As I remember, RDS tunes it and they have 64 megabytes for each wall. So I say each wall is usually 16 megabytes. So one wall per second during normal, quite busy hours, it means we produce 16 megabytes per second of all data. Right? So, okay. And it means that, okay, what is our replay speed? What is our production speed? And from there, we can understand during which time we generate that amount of wall data, which will give us two minutes of recovery time. Right? Quite complex, I understand. <laughs> well... It feels like luckily we've got that second parameter in max wall size. No, 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 no. no. Let's, 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 let's pause. Yes. I'm talking about how to, like, in my opinion, how to understand what's the best, what's like normal checkpoint timeout for you. Right. Yes. So in this case, we understand, okay, recovery time is this uh, production time of production speed. Uh, is this so we can conclude that to have not more than two minutes of recovery time we, we need to have to, to we produce this number of wall data so we will set checkpoint timeout probably like half an hour this is like yeah. quite maybe 15 minutes 30 minutes it depends of course uh, observing con concrete system we can make some conclusion okay we want 30 minutes for example but then we start distinguishing planned checkpoints and requested checkpoints Requested checkpoints is like Postgres has two logics. One logic is okay on schedule. When time comes, time to, to have checkpoint every 30 minutes, for example. By default, it's five minutes. I think it's too often, right? Yeah. But then if there is an, another parameter called max wall size, and I think it's very, very important parameter to understand. It's our protection for the cases when we have elevated activity and we want to have more frequent checkpoints because we want to be protected again from writing too much data to wall and have again longer wait. Again, the same logic, if we understand the, how much we produce the speed of production, we can say, okay, the max wall size also roughly corresponds to... So, so checkpoint timeout and max wall size, their tuning can be correlated here. Right? Yeah. So my, my understanding is you, it, it sounds like we should rely on checkpoint timeout for the majority of the time. That should be the thing that, that kicks off checkpoints. But if, if more than that amount of while is generated, more than the amount we expected, we could set an amount in. We should set, we should set it. So usually like, and default is there very small, one gigabyte default. It's insanely small for modern workloads. Usually like yeah. I recommend to go up sometimes up to 100 gigabytes, but we, sh we need to understand this recovery trade-off, right? So we need to measure recovery and uh, guarantee our business that we will not be down more than, for example, two minutes or five minutes, right? Yeah. But right, Maxwell size protects us from the cases when we have more rights and Postgres can decide to perform requested checkpoint. Uh, we see it in logs. By the way, logging of checkpoints, we need enable always as far as i remember recently default was changed and login is is now enabled i remember discussion in, in hackers mailing list so log checkpoint should be enabled for all checkpoints I, i'm 100 percent sure this is what you want to understand is default is was false for uh, default is disabled in postgres 12 disabled in postgres 14 but enabled in postgres 15 which will be released very soon so this, this is new change in Postgres 15. Log checkpoint is enabled. And I recommend 
enabling it for any Postgres. So I, I also saw some DBAs see that like 90% of all checkpoints are requested. They occur according to max wall size. This is a problem. No, it's not a problem. It's not a problem because requested checkpoint and time checkpoint, right, like planned on schedule, they are the same, actually. Like no, no big difference. But of course, you want to be in order. Everything should be in order. Of course, you want, like, it's, it's just a sign that probably you need to reconsider settings, but it's not a, an urgency situation, right? Yeah. Well, sounds good. Th there is another uh, checkpoint completion target we we yes. didn't mention, and by default it's zero point seven or or no, or, this or changed. I, yeah, I looked this up until very recently. It was zero point five. Oh, zero point five is terrible. I would say <laughs> it's not what you want. Yeah, but in fourteen it was increased to zero point nine. Great, this is good number. So what it yeah. what what is it since? When you run manual checkpoint, explicit checkpoint, it goes full speed. So it writes dirty buffers to disk as fast as possible, and it produces some stress on disk. It's, it's okay stress, but it's uh, normally you want uh, to be more gentle with your disk system, right? So that's why we spread it over time. And 0 yeah. 0.9 checkpoint completion target means that between two checkpoints, 90% of time we want to spend writing, and 10% of time we are resting. Maybe you want even more, 99. I don't know, like 99% of time. So, and, and, and this is important because it's hard to understand the distance between checkpoints. It's quite a tricky question. Uh, logging will report something, but uh, you can think about when checkpoint starts. This is like the beginning. So 10 minutes between them is like, an, or 15 minutes between them or 30. It's fine. But what I wanted to deliver, this is very tricky. It, it bothered me a few years actually. And only in the book of Rogoff, we already mentioned it, uh, this PostgreSQL internals. Yeah. So I, I, I read it in Russian even earlier. And now it's published. Both parts are published in English. It's very good. It explains everything in detail with links to source code. And finally, I understood why if we set uh, max wall size one gigabyte, the distance in bytes measured in bytes, it can be like 300 something megabytes. So it's like three times smaller. Why is that? <laughs> so explanation is interesting. I'm looking at it right now. So I know I knew it from practice. I just like when I said when I saw oh you have default one gigabyte. You know that it means that the actual distance measured in bytes will be 300 megabytes. It's tiny like distance. It means that a checkpoint will disturb your system constantly. And they, I even saw the case of a very large company where people had um, some cleanup job uh, on the background happening. And then before big event, marketing event, they disabled this job. And then a couple of months later, they realized that job is disabled and some engineer, very experienced one, but not a Postgres expert. He like said, okay, this job was not painful at all. It, it was working many years. So he went ahead and tried to delete 10 million rows using one delete and put system down for 10 minutes because they didn't have post, uh, checkpoint tuning in place. So max wall size was default one gigabyte. Actual, actual distance was 300 megabytes. I will explain why. It means that when you produce a lot, you have checkpoints happening all the time, boom, 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 and a lot of full page writes, boom, boom, boom. And it's not compressed. And disks work quite good, like enterprise disks, but not NVMe, unfortunately. And they just, the situation happened and they went down. 
for 10 minutes and said, just one delete. I even had a talk, in, uh, I did it in Russia some time ago, like just about this case, how delete can put your, one, one line of delete can put your Postgres down even before you worked very well and like critical system. But So checkpoint tuning is an important thing to have. So if you have one gigabyte, until Postgres 11, it was, if you have checkpoint completion target close to one, you should divide by three. Since Postgres 11, you should divide, divide by two. So if you have one gigabyte max wall size, actual distance will be half a gigabyte, roughly, if your checkpoint completion target is 0.9. Because Postgres needs everything since last checkpoint and also everything between previous one and latest one, latest successful. Oh, interesting. And before Postgres 11, additional cycle was needed. So huh. two successful cycles and a tail, right? Not tail. It's this tail is before, not, not, not behind us. It's in front of us, right? So if checkpoint completion target is 0.9, like roughly three times, like three intervals needed. Yeah. That's why you need to raise maximal size anyway, right? <laughs> yeah. That seems like a, almost everybody would want to increase that one. I, I've read like there's, there's some other interesting ones that I'd be keen on your, view on and also actually i guess should are people on cloud providers you mentioned rds a couple of times are they generally more protected from this because they've been tuned already tuning here mean, means increasing max wall size increase max wall size but do it not blindly understanding recovery yeah. time yeah the other ones minwall side for, for example i've read that that can increase the right performance if you increase that number from my practice i cannot say anything here like i I, I didn't dive deeply enough to discuss this but maxwell size is my favorite topic <laughs> yeah if you haven't had to worry about minwell size then i can't imagine it's uh that important so yeah good to know and yeah the the only other one i wanted to ask about is uh, let's, while let's, we're on the topic sorry oh, like it's, it's so important i just want to emphasize it you know, uh, yes like so if we have very short distance in terms of Maxwell size, force checkpoints, and we have unexpected or maybe expected someone decided to do it, a lot of right activity, we can measure it with experiments. And what I found that, you know, think loans is good to iterate, but we cannot use think loans here because we need to, our disk and file system behave exactly the same as on production. So I found a good recipe how to have some workload which will not touch our physical layout of data. It's a transaction of massive delete, like delete uh, 10 or 100 million rows, but cancel it in the, in the beginning, rollback. Delete will write to Xmax. We discussed it a couple of months ago, probably. Yeah. It will write the transaction ID, which deleted tuple. But if transaction got canceled, this is virtually zero. Zero means it's, this tuple is still alive. So we produce a lot of wall, produce a big stress on system, but then we say nothing changed. And we can do another experiment on the same system. It's perfect workload for a lab, right? So we can have a sequence of experiments with different Maxwell size and see using like IOTOP or I don't know, IOSTAT, we can see, we can use monitoring. I recommend to using Nate data because it has export button. You can export all graphs and you can see how disk IO behave. And usually if you have one gigabyte Maxwell size and disks are not very powerful, you will see plateau because it's saturated, right? 
then you double your maximal size. Plato again, double maximal size. At some point, you will see your system under such stress, it's already not plateau because, and IOTOP shows when maximal size is small, IOTOP shows if you order by write throughput, checkpointer will be number one. It writes like 200, 300, I don't know, 500 megs per second. Insane, like it writes, writes, writes. Also, I, I promise to explain two reasons of our head. One, we already discussed a full page writes. If we just finished our checkpoint and we needed to start another because Maxwell size commands us to have them very frequent. It's like insane checkpointing, insane checkpointing. Like checkpointer went mad, right? So for example, I saw like every 15 seconds, boom, 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 because these uh, deletes like 300 max, it's quite, quite fast. Right? So again, yeah. again, again, default settings. So, so full page rights is one type of overhead. So basically, oh, also make your deletes not sequential. For example, you can have some index on some random column. And you can say, let's delete first 10 million rows ordered by this column, but it's random. So first tuple is first page, second tuple is page number thousand. So we jump between various pages. And this is the worst type because we, we yeah. could benefit. Like if you, if they are sequential, probably all changes in one page will happen inside one checkpointing cycle. But if we jump between pages, we constantly produce a lot of full page writes and we need to produce them once again because checkpoint just finished, right? This is the worst yeah. situation and this happens. This is exactly what put that system down that I explained. So second, I didn't realize, but it's quite obvious. Second overhead is quite obvious. If our page was dirty, it was checkpointed. Now it's clean. Checkpoint, uh, okay, we visit once again. It became dirty again. We need to write it again. If two writes would be inside one checkpointing cycle, we would produce only one write. But if two hour visits happened in different checkpoint cycles, we need to perform two disk writes. So it's more IO. Right, right. So sequential delete is not, is not that bad. A random delete, according to some yeah. index, can be very bad. Right. Well, that's a good point. Uh, so as well as all the, sorry, I like, I <laughs> so, no, no, so much pain. I spent some months uh, exploring it and we made a lot, very good, like I would say enterprise scale experiments. And I, I, I can take any system and show exactly how recovery will behave, how exactly you need to tune. I will, I can like show graphs. It's like, it's quite expensive in terms of time and probably money research of system, but I think big systems need it. They need to understand their workload, their system, and understand what will happen. So this random delete, I, I say this, like I named it double unfortunate. You can be unfortunate because uh, you crashed and you, you're unfortunate twice because you crashed during some uh, random intensive rights. In this case, you definitely want to understand your Maxwell Sighting checkpoint timeout and you want your disk graph not to have plateau, but be like spiky. And this is a sign that you have some room for other rights, right? This is like uh, our research shows like, okay, at 16 gigabytes or 32 gigabytes, we already don't have plateau. So this is our desired setting for maximal size, maybe 100 gigabytes even, divided by two, like we need to understand since possible. Yeah. But, and then we say, okay, but in this case, recovery time can be in, at normal time, it will be this. At bad times when somebody is writing randomly a lot, it can be this, like, 10 minutes, can you afford it? Or it's not good here. So ah, <laughs> you see how much like I, I had in the past <laughs> with Maxwell size, especially. Yeah, right. 
this is great and i hope people are encouraged to go and you can easily check this by the way can't you just with all like with all postgres parameters you can just use show show max file size if it's if you get one gigabyte back maybe time to have a look at that same with a checkpoint timeout so show checkpoint timeout check out that if it's if it comes back five minutes or it might say 300 seconds um again another one to look at Anything else? There are other things, but let's let's stop at this point because we are out of time. Definitely here. Right? I apologize yeah. for too too many details in this case. I don't think I don't think that's the kind of feedback. We, I, if if anybody thinks we did do too many details, let me know. But I, yeah. I don't think that's going to be the feedback. And I, again, I I want to like advertise Nate data here because if you do some experiments and some you you take like same virtual machine, same settings, everything as production, you do this very unfortunate massive delete rolled back again, delete rolled back, and you check with various settings. Do install NetData and export all dashboard with all disk IO and everything to file. And then you can compare. You can open in browser several, several files. Snapshots. Right, right. And see exactly the difference in behavior for different settings. It's so convenient. Yeah. And you can store the, those artifacts long term. Yeah, I really I enjoyed when you showed me that. I also wanted to advertise a few things. There's a couple of great websites for checking out parameters if you want to see like what they mean. Obviously, the Postgres documentation is great, but there's also postgresqlcode.nf or postgresqlconf by Ongress that I'll link up. Right. And PGpedia as well, I find great for this kind of thing. They have a section on this that I found useful. So I'll share those as well. Right. But like you... I, I suppose if you have heavily loaded LTP system, you probably will set checkpoint timeout to 15 or 30 minutes and max full size to something like 32 gigabytes at least, maybe more. But better to conduct full-fledged research and make decisions based on your requirements from business. Right. Yeah. Good. Thank you so much, Nikolai. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Yes, share, like, share, share, share. Share is important, most important, probably. And if you, by the way, I have special request to our listeners today. If you have a, a iOS device, please go to Apple Podcasts and like us, please, and write some review. We would appreciate yeah. it a lot. I don't know if you saw, but we got a nice one already. So thank you right. to that person. Good. Thank you, Michael. Cheers, everyone. Bye, Bye now.